Super Bowl week, a reality show unfolds in Congress, and Wall Street bets turns Wall Street upside down. A brand new air attack starts right now. And we have made it to Super Bowl week. Obviously, it is now February with a big, big snow that just hit New York City um, as we kind of clean ourselves out of that. So we'll get to the Wall Street stuff. Got a lot to talk about today. We'll get to the Wall Street stuff with Reddit. Obviously, the Super Bowl stuff. What is going on, though, though in Washington, D.C. with some of these women? My God, you wanted women in Congress? You've got women in Congress. We basically think their job is to fight with each other. I swear to God. It's like they're on the set of Basketball Wives where they're just doing it inside the U.S. Capitol. And I know it's been hectic down there. You have a new president. We had a little riot down there, an inauguration in between. Okay, fine. But you have women who can't even walk past each other in the halls of Congress without going at it. I mean, it's, it's honestly just, you know what? Bring Andy Cohen down there at this point and just have him do a Watch What Happens Live right there in the rotunda. What's the difference? That's how you're behaving anyway. Corey Bush from St. Louis, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who, by the way, I don't know which side of those two you're on. Here's the right side. They're both nuts. And neither one of them should be behaving this way on the clock. Okay, they are on the clock. They're on the taxpayer's dime, and this is the way they're behaving. One's got to move her office, got to go cry to Nancy Pelosi. I swear to God, it's like a sorority house down there. Just put Greek letters on the outside of the U.S. Capitol and get it over with. My God. And then, in the midst of all this Reddit, GameStop, Wall Street drama, T Ted Cruz agrees with a tweet from AOC, which basically says that Robin Hood and, and all these people are wrong. He agrees with her. You know what she does? She says, oh, well, I don't want to talk to you. I'm not working with you because you tried to have me murdered in the Capitol riot. It's absolute stupidity. That is what's going on now. You have people who are peddling stupidity, and she is the queen of all of that. My goodness. By the way, follow me on Twitter at BCAK, the man. Follow the show at Air Attack Radio. And by the way, you can hear the show, obviously, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. But every guy has dealt with a girl like AOC. That's the girl at the party who's not getting her way, so she just threatens to scream. And right on cue, after a week of being ridiculed for accusing a U.S. senator of trying to murder her for simply questioning what happened in an election, she decides to go on Instagram last night and give her her account of what happened during the riot, how scared she was, how she hid in her office, the whole thing. She knew it was over. People were yelling, where is she? Where is she? And it turns out that was a Capitol cop, but she didn't know that. And then she throws in there, oh, by the way, I'm a victim of sexual assault. Oh, wait a second now. What does that have to do with anything? You know what it has to do with everything? I'll tell you what it has to do with everything. It has to do with the fact that you're not allowed to question her because she threw sexual assault in there. And in the age of believe women, me too, and all of that, you can't question anything she says or you're an abuser too. You're guilty of sexual assault if you don't think Ted Cruz tried to kill her. The girl's nuts. I'm sorry, but she's flat out nuts. If you haven't realized that she's nuts, well, then you are her best customer. She is in the, in the business of peddling stupidity, and you are responsible for a lot of her sales. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. You don't have to like it, okay, but that, that is really just reality. And speaking of stupidity, I've always been big on ripping into The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. It's always been, been kind of goofy. I don't watch the show. I see it in bits and pieces because it comes on after Wheel of Fortune here. And I do watch Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. I just, I, I, I like those shows. It's, it's good TV. Sometimes I actually have to hit pause on one of those shows because I'm busy doing something, making dinner, you know, whatever. So when I get done watching Wheel of Fortune, sometimes it's actually in the middle of The Bachelor. So something significant's happening. I caught some of the action last night. This has to be the nastiest group of girls 
they have ever had on that show. And The Bachelor, the guy Matt seems like one of the nicest guys they've had. They've had some real dickheads as Bachelors. And I get it. You know, the girls are putting themselves in this scenario. There's 24, 25 of them. So all but one are going home unhappy. I've talked about this before. And they're going to play off the, the racial angle because Matt is not white. He's got, a, I think, a white mother and a black father. I think I got that right. So he's biracial. So every time he is saying something nice about one of the white girls, they zoom in on one of the black girls rolling her eyes, getting all pissed off. So they're going to go ahead and squeeze that for all it's worth. So it's pretty bad to begin with. But then a few weeks ago, they had a bunch of girls show up in a new limo. So like you had the original 25 or whatever they are. They had another, I guess, half a dozen or so show up in the middle as like an added twist just to fuck with everyone's head. So you got a nasty group of girls and now you're making them even nastier. They're at each other's throats. One of them decided to start a rumor about another one from Chicago and basically accused her of being a hooker. Matt, the bachelor, gets wind of this and says, okay, I, th I believe he threw that chick off, off the show, which is a good idea. I mean, you can't have, you can't have that shit going on. The whole thing is basically meant to degrade all the contestants as much as humanly possible. That is obviously taking it over the line, but these girls are absolutely, I mean, just awful. The Bachelor is a lot like online dating. You hear a few success stories, okay, sprinkled throughout the whole history of the thing, but in reality, it's really just likely to be a bunch of awful people in the same place kind of getting what they deserve. I mean, it really is that bad. And I saw an ad at the end of yesterday's episode. I threw something on in Netflix in between, and it just happened that the Netflix show ends at the end of the Bachelor episode. And they, they're casting now, they're casting seniors who are looking for love. So it looks like they're doing a senior version of this show. I'm not sure I'm going to make it for that one. I'm sorry. That is really, they are really, really reaching. I thought the show was doing well. I thought the whole franchise was very popular because it just had like sort of a cult following, but it is what it is. So yeah, The Bachelor's pretty bad this year. It's bad every year. This year it's, it's, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's on its way out, but it, it, it really should be. There was a story from the NWHL, which is the National Women's Hockey League, I think. Or, or maybe it's not. I don't know. Anyway, it's the Women's Hockey League here in America. A perfect example of wokeness gone bad. What am I talking about? They threw a fit. These are players and, and some coaches and, and some media members because somebody from the league went out to Barstool Sports. I think. I think they went out to Barstool. One way or another, the CEO of Barstool Sports, Erica Nardini, a woman, said that in the future she would like to buy a franchise in this league. And a few, few of the players decided to throw a fit and condemn Barstool as sexist and racist. I know, highly original. Including a young player from Yale who happens to be black. I don't know how many games she's actually played, but she... I, I, my understanding is that she saw this as her Kaepernick, let's get a Nike deal moment. And decided to say that we, as a league, we want nothing to do with X, Y, Z. All the things that, that Barstool Sports represents. The thing is, when you label people as white supremacists and misogynists the way that some of these young people do so easily these days, you are at the point where you can't even make a joke, even if that's your job. I mean, Howard Stern is still on the air today as if the first 20, 25 years of his career never happened. I don't think any of these kids even realize the kind of shit that he used to get into and do on the air on live radio. I really don't. And if you notice, the woke kids now go after anything that's actually funny. The only thing they ever seem to laugh at now is SNL, and that's not very funny. I mean, these kids are insane. And here you have a league where the best players are making about $10,000 a year. Not ten grand a game. They're making about ten grand a season. And yeah, they can do endorsements. I understand that. They can, maybe they can play internationally. They could participate in camps, that kind of thing. They can make more money. But they get paid ten grand a season, more or less just to play in this league. 
And you got people out there saying, hey, listen, we don't want this exposure. Get out of here right now. Does that really make a lot of sense? I mean, it'll sound kind of mean, but I didn't know they had a season starting. Most people probably didn't. And the most high-profile media outlet that's making that known, you're just turning your back on right away just so you can stand up for your morals? I don't think that makes too much sense whatsoever. And the girl from Yale was, was going back and forth and saying, well, maybe we need to have a conversation. The problem for her is that the whole Wall Street bets fiasco took place because GameStop, GameStop stock was shooting up and Dave Portnoy decided to get involved in that. And then there you go. Your opportunity is lost. Remember something. Remember something. You are picking a very rough time to go after Barstool because not only is Dave Portnoy opening a sports book in Michigan, He's also running a relief fund that is saving small businesses across the country. And then the whole GameStop Robin Hood thing happens. It wasn't like it was a good idea to begin with. But with the GameStop thing kind of popping up in the middle of it, it was just a disaster. Just a silly, silly PR stunt gone awry by some of these female hockey players. I'm sorry. And now as far as the GameStop Robin Hood thing here. If you don't know what short selling is, I'm not going to go give a whole Wall Street class here, but basically short selling is when you're allowed to sell a stock without actually having it. The idea, obviously, is that you think the stock is going to go down. Otherwise, you would buy it, wait for it to go up, and then sell it. So you sell it, and you hope that the stock goes down. It is actually the specialty of some Wall Street outfits. In some cases, and by some I mean many, some of these outfits will actually short sell a stock and then just happen to use some of their allies in the media to leak out some dirt on the company, hoping that it helps to tank the company. The stock price goes lower, and then when they have to cover their shorts, whenever they feel like it, they can just go ahead and say, okay, here we go, they make a nice profit. They sold it at X, they're buying it back at X minus whatever, hey, there you go, big time profit, and that's their whole career. And if the company goes under, if you can put the company out of business, you don't ever have to buy the stock, you don't ever have to cover your short, because there's no stock left to buy. The company's worthless. But if the stock goes up, that is when it gets tricky because your, your, your profit is basically limited to the price of the stock. So if you had bought, let's say you short sold all the stock in the company and the company went out of business, that's where your profit would top out. But if the, if the stock was to go up and you short sold it at like $10 a share and it starts skyrocketing to $15 a share, $25 a share, $50 a share, $80 a share, you at some point have to buy that stock because you're only allowed to have that stock go up so high without having the cash on hand to cover it. Otherwise, they're going to say, wait a second, you can't cover all this. What if it keeps going up? So they want you to have cash. So now enter these guys from Reddit who basically find out that some of these hedge funds have have short sold a ton of GameStop stock and they figure, hey, listen, let's all buy it at the same time. We'll drive the price up. These hedge funds will panic and have to buy the stock themselves and it creates what's called a short squeeze where a company just goes through the roof in terms of their in terms of their stock price when they're not really worth that much to begin with. And I guess some of them had a hard on for some of these hedge funds. You know, they just don't like Wall Street. They don't like Wall Street types, whatever it is. So they all buy GameStop stock and a little bit of AMC, and there was some Nokia, and there were the Bed Bath & Beyond. There were a few of these companies. The price skyrockets. Now some of the hedge fund guys say, you know what, screw you, we're not flinching. We'll just wait till it comes down. But the higher the price goes up, again, the more money these hedge funds need to actually have on hand, and some of them started running out. They were so penny-wise, pound-foolish. Like, once the stock goes up 20%, you could say, okay, hell, hell with it. We're going to cover it. We'll buy it right now, and we're out of it. No, 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 no. These hedge funds were so arrogant, they said, no, we're going to hang in there. There's no possible way you guys can outlast us. But they did, and they started losing a ton of money. Steve Cohen, the guy who just bought the Mets, he gets involved and bails out Melvin Capital 
by giving them like a billion dollars. The people find out about this. Mets fans, people on Twitter, people on Reddit, they start going nuts on Steve Cohen. I mean, absolutely going off on him. He keeps poking at them because, hey, when you're a billionaire and you're keeping the peasants poor, it's hilarious. They come back at him to the point where he claims they were making threats against his family. Where have we heard this kind of thing before? He gets off Twitter. He can no longer take it. It's not that funny anymore. Then you got this company called Citadel, which works with Robinhood, and they also gave money to Melvin Capital. So you have a complete conflict of interest here. Next thing you know, Robinhood is only allowing people to sell GameStop. They can't buy it. They can only sell it. Well, if you can only sell something, what happens to the price of it? Obviously, it goes down. And when they asked the White House press secretary what the hell's going on here and what Joe Biden thinks about it, she forgets to answer. She dodges the question. She also forgets to mention one little detail. Her brother works at Citadel. Isn't that strange? How about that? So the appearance is that the hedge funds engage in risky behavior. They get caught with their pants down only to have other hedge funds bail them out and bully Robin Hood into doing it at the same time. You even had Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel in his monologue accusing the guys from Reddit of being Russian disruptors. I'm not kidding. Anytime they don't get their way, it's about Russian interference. Just to give you an idea of what the average guy is up against if he wants to disrupt the system. Yeah, guys on CNBC pretending like they're all kinds of righteous, yet they, they can't believe this whole thing is happening. But they're also pushing stocks like Uber and DoorDash, which are not just employment scams. They're destructive to local economies. Yeah, Uber you can make some money on five, six years ago, no problem. But in the process, they lowered their pay for drivers. Drivers are destroying their cars. They put taxis and limousines out of business. They're a disaster. DoorDash gouges restaurants even during a pandemic. They steal tips from their drivers. It's an absolute disaster. And these companies are valued at billions and billions of dollars. They're not even profitable. But when a bunch of commoners manipulate the market the same way the hedge funds do, all of a sudden the guys on CNBC are worried about how much these company stocks are worth relative to what they're actually worth. Give me a break. You guys make me sick. And that's why Portnoy got involved. Elon Musk got involved. A bunch of the guy from the Warriors, Chalmuth, who's actually challenging the governor of California, I think, in a recall election. Well, the recall election's not starting yet, but they're actually going to recall that guy, which he very much deserves. So you had a lot of people, once again, where have you heard this theme before? You continue to poke and poke and poke at people when they're down, and you don't expect any kind of reaction. That's just not the way the world works. And the assumption is, after all these antics for the last three or four days of, of trading on Wall Street, that Robin Hood and Citadel and, and all these hedge funds are just going to get away with it. They got away with it to the point where GameStop stock, GameStop stock excuse me, plummeted plummeted back down. Now, it's still way overpriced, but it plummeted down. AMC plummeted. All these stocks came right back down after all of this manipulation. And the overwhelming sentiment is that they're just going to get away with it. AOC would help you guys out, but she's busy trying to dodge Ted Cruz because he's trying to murder her, you know? And also, she was sexually assaulted. Don't forget that. My God, what a disaster. Um, the Chad Wheeler story, I think it's an offensive lineman from the Seahawks. Never heard of this guy before. I think he's an offensive lineman. He was on the Seahawks. Beat and choked his girlfriend, and I mean badly, to the point where, if I'm being honest, um, he could have killed her. That's what it sounds like. She was able to call 911. She locked herself in a bathroom. Supposedly, he thought he had killed her, and then he blamed it on bi bipolar medication. Uh, normally, in a case like this, I'm always fair about this. You have to give it time to figure out what actually happened. She may make an accusation. You never, you never know exactly what happens here, but there are pictures of her, number one. Number two, he admitted it. He went out to Twitter and basically said that he didn't take his medication and that he needs help. He needs to step away from football, which I don't think is going to be a problem, Chad. I don't think you're allowed to play football for a little while, so don't worry about all that. Um, saying you're not on bipolar meds, I'm sorry, man. A lot of people are, you know, a lot of people have 
psychological problems. They don't go doing stuff like this. And if you take the size and the strength of this guy, I mean, he is he's a very dangerous man. And, you know, he was arrested. He was charged with domestic violence, pleaded not guilty. He'll have a court date in a few weeks. There was a big push online. Just it, it's it's all politics. It's bullshit about how he better get the same negative attention that Kareem Hunt and Ray Rice did. And that's just not going to happen for two reasons. Number one, he's not that big of a name. I never even heard of him. And he had actually been in the Giants last year. He was on their roster last year. I didn't even know that. So he's not really a known commodity the way Ray Rice or Kareem Hunt were. But never mind all that. Ray Rice and Kareem Hunt went after women on camera. That's always going to blow up on the internet. That's just how it is. And Kareem Hunt, if you recall, actually went charging at a girl and had to be held back by his friends. Ray Rice knocked out his girlfriend, who is now his wife, by the way, and then dragged her across the floor of a casino. The casino is no longer open, but it's open now under a new name. The casino was called The Rebel. It was shutting down, so TMZ was able to get video. They also tampered with that video and took out the part where she was attacking him. Not that it excuses what he did, but of course those videos are going to blow up because they're videos. That's just how it is. And people forgot about Joe Mixon in this whole thing. He knocked a girl. I mean, he just knocked her flat out cold at some, I guess it was a burger joint in Oklahoma where there also happened to be cameras. And after that incident, Brent Musburger expressed support for Joe Mixon, not, not for what he did, but for, you know, the possibility that he would have an NFL career. And you know what happened? They came for Brent too. I mean, it is just an absolute cartoon that we live in here. It is a clown world. You're damned if you do, you're damned if you, if you don't. That's just how it is. So Chad Wheeler expresses remorse. He has a court date in a few weeks, and we'll see what happens. But none of those guys went to jail. Joe Mixon never went to jail. Ray Rice never went to jail. Kareem Hunt never went to jail. And as far as Des Bryant trying to be a Twitter tough guy, again, follow me on Twitter at BCAK the man, and trying to challenge Chad, Chad Wheeler on the internet to a fight, just remember something. Des Bryant played with Greg Hardy. It doesn't get worse than Greg Hardy, if you remember that story. I mean, Chad Wheeler beat his girlfriend. Greg Hardy beat his girlfriend and threw her on a pile of guns. And he was found guilty in court, and he was going to jail until he appealed it. They do it some kind of strange way in North Carolina where he was able to wiggle out of it. And the consensus is that he was able to get to the girl, whether it was through intimidation or money, and basically get her off his back. So don't, talk, don't go talking to me about how much worse one is than the other. They're all bad, guys. They're just all bad. Stop making everything about race because, see, some of you, that's your whole career. Like, Jamel Hill wanted Chad Wheeler charged with a hate crime because that's going to make things better. We all know that's idiotic, but that's just what she does. Again, that's someone else who specializes in the peddling of stupidity. Some of you all want to eat it up. That's on you. As for the Super Bowl, um, the CDC recommends that you limit your gathering. They don't want you in a restaurant, but you have to limit your gathering at home. Basically, nobody do anything normal ever again until the CDC tells you it's okay. Sometime in 2028, when there'll be a new virus, you all have to be scared of. I, I, I recommend you do whatever you feel like. That's what I recommend. They had 10 months to figure this shit out. 10. Okay, we're, we're still going in circles trying to figure out what exactly it is we're supposed to do. 10 months later, have your Super Bowl party, honestly. Give me a break at this point. Anyway, they're going to have fans there. Now, obviously, you're not going to have a full stadium, so the tickets are going for, the last I heard was thirteen grand in the Tampa area. Just how it is. Home team, limited tickets. The team gets a bunch of tickets. I'm sorry, each team gets a bunch of tickets. The league gets a bunch of tickets. What's left over for the peasants is going to just, just skyrocket in price. Once again, when that happens, no one really cares. They only care when, they're, when the people are making money in the stock market, but not when something like that goes for much more than it's worth. It's called a free market. Imagine all that. Anyway, Tampa probably couldn't have picked a worse year to be home because if it were a different year, they'd probably have, I don't know, 60, 70% of the fans. The Chiefs just won a Super Bowl last year. So while I do think some Chiefs fans will travel, 
it would be a lot easier to imagine a scenario where the Tampa fans were dominating right in their own backyard if the Chiefs fans had to travel and if the stadium were allowed to be full. I think that makes perfect sense. So anyway, thirteen grand is the going price if you want to get in the door, and that was as of about a week ago. So I don't know, I don't know what it's going to skyrocket to by the time the uh, the game actually starts. Some of these people that are getting tickets from the NFL, by the way, are not football fans, and I think that is so ridiculously lazy that makes me absolutely sick. Neither here nor there. How did they get here? Well, the Bucks once again win a game that they easily could have lost. I had the Packers in that game. I, I said it right here. I stand by the pick. Basically, that game in Green Bay came down to a pair of turnovers. You had the interception before halftime. You had the fumble after halftime. 14 points right there. Probably 17 points because I think the Packers were going to score before halftime. The kid made a great play. Murphy Bunting made a great play on the interception, but that's a penalty. I mean, he grabs a hold of the guy's shoulder pads. But the reason why it's a great play is because at that point in the game, there had been no penalties called. Zero. Not one flag had been thrown. Not even a flag that they picked up on a kick or on a pass interference that they that they conferred and said, no, no, you know what? That, that play was okay. The refs just weren't throwing flags. That's all there was to it. So from that standpoint, it was a great play. And then you had the Aaron Jones fumble after halftime, which was basically just a nail in the coffin. And even with all that, Green Bay had a chance to win this game. I don't know what's going on at the end there with Matt LaFleur kicking a field goal when you're down by eight. Aaron Rodgers was like a deer in headlights. You had, you had a play, the third down play at the end of the game there. He had an open field. I mean, the right side of the field was wide open. Maybe he doesn't make the end zone. So what if he doesn't? So what if, if Aaron Rodgers is saying, well, it wasn't my decision to kick a field goal. Well, if you didn't want to kick a field goal, you should have taken off for the end zone. What are you thinking? Even if you're short, at least you're halfway there, three quarters of the way there, and it's a much easier play on fourth down. I found, I found that to be absolutely absurd. And now that they're done hiring coaches, I just want to say something here. Matt LaFleur was basically part of, I think, the Sean McVay coaching tree. Oh, no, he wasn't. He wasn't part of Sean McVay. He came from the Titans. He was the offensive coordinator for the Titans, if I'm not mistaken. Next time you decide an offensive coordinator just has to be a head coach, and I know a lot of, a lot of you, once again, are only doing it because of race politics, and it, it's, it's just fucking stupid. But Eric Bieniemy is in a really good spot in Kansas City. He might not be the best head coach. He might make a blunder like that himself. So next time you know a coordinator just needs to be a head coach, I want you to remember what you saw out of Matt LaFleur there because that was ridiculous on Sunday. And that's before we get to, after, after the interception before halftime, Tampa goes for it on fourth down, converts, and they say, okay, and you got like, what, seven, eight seconds left. Kevin King lets, a lets Scotty Miller run right by him into the end zone. That was ridiculous. And, and as, as he deserved, Mike Pettin got canned for that. There is no excuse for that. The coaching in this game from Green Bay was awful. Hey, Green Bay did everything that a team does when they want to lose a game like that as favorites. The only thing they didn't do was miss a field goal. That was it. But the turnovers, the crappy special teams play, and the poor coaching, just awful, awful decisions. And Aaron Rodgers, for this cool, cool as a cucumber sort of look that he has to him, and he's got everything under control. I'm sorry. He was not very good here. He wasn't bad. I mean, they still should have won the game. But, I mean, when he doesn't run that ball on third down, I'm saying, what is this guy thinking? Does he, does, she, does he just not want to be here today? What is happening? I thought ever since you got rid of Danica Patrick, your mind was uncluttered and free. What happened to all that? It was garbage. I credit the Bucks for being tough in this game. They were tough against the Saints. But let's face it, they got four turnovers from the Saints. They got big turnovers here against Green Bay. They got coaching blunders left and right from Green Bay. Ironically, this... This Tampa team, led by Tom Brady, reminds me a lot of the two Giants teams that beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl with their playoff runs. 
and doing it all on the road, that, that's impressive. Third game on the road, that is tough to do. And again, if you watch that game, especially early, you would have thought it was Green Bay who was in that scenario, not Tampa. So I give the Bucks credit for getting to the game, but I also think they are fortunate to be there. As for the Chiefs, a little bit of good fortune in their first playoff game against Cleveland, right? Rashard Higgins fumbles out of the end zone. If that doesn't happen, maybe that's a different game, especially considering that Patrick Mahomes wasn't able to finish it. That didn't happen. The Chiefs were able to hang on, and then they dominate the Bills. I personally was surprised at how many people were on Buffalo in this game. I just hadn't seen the Bills stop a decent offense all year. And they, were, they had a good game plan against the Ravens. But let's face it, it's the Ravens. There were high wins in that game. It's Lamar Jackson. Once you decided we're going to take away his ability to run the football, hey, listen, now he's got to throw. The, the whole thing just, just was a mess for Baltimore in that game. The game before that, though, the Colts had picked the, the Bills apart. The, uh, the Colts should have won that first game. I was all over the Chiefs in that championship game against Buffalo. I did not understand the mindset of the people who were not. I, I'm sorry. I mean, we, listen, we don't always agree on all these things. That's just how it is. Okay, but man, I, I just couldn't understand why people really thought Buffalo was going to be able to stop Kansas City. And let's face it, Josh Allen's not ready for an AFC championship game. He's got to grow up a little bit. So do a lot of guys in the Bills. But that defense in Buffalo has to get better. Another thing I liked about that matchup with Kansas City against Buffalo was that it was a rematch. And if I look at last year's schedule, the Chiefs had played the Titans and the Texans in the regular season and lost to both of them. When it came playoff time in January at Arrowhead, I know it's a little different this year because the crowds are different, yada, yada, yada. But when it came January for those rematches, they manhandled both those teams. Even getting down, I think they were down 24 to nothing against Houston and came back and won the game and covered. Okay? So here we have another rematch with the Chiefs and the Bucks, And you know what? I would like the Chiefs in this game anyway, but the fact that they already faced Tampa and handled them, and handled them far more easily than the final score indicates. I mean, the Chiefs were never going to lose this game. A couple turnovers here where we heard that before, that the Bucks were able to force kept this game closer than it should have been. But the bottom line is that the Chiefs were never losing this game. Tampa got a late score to make it look a little closer, and that's when Tony Romo made the prediction that these two teams would meet again in Tampa, and he was right. But the Chiefs threw the ball all over Tampa. That was the first time. The history and the common sense suggest that it's not going to get much better for Tampa the second time. I understand Eric Fisher is missing the left tackle from Kansas City, but Kansas City's been shuffling around their offensive line the entire year. And now you're giving Eric Bieniemy and and Andy Reid two weeks to come up with a solution where they just basically have to keep Tampa off balance. I mean, nothing against the Packers, Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers. Patrick Mahomes is not going to be standing there and staring while the, while the defensive line from Tampa just moves in on him. That's not going to happen. And when he scrambles, he'll get to where he's going. I could not believe how many times Aaron Rodgers was tracked down by defensive tackles from Tampa in that championship game. It was absolutely crazy. But here we are now. In rematches, it seems like Kansas City always improves. If you look within their division in the, in the playoffs last year and then in what happened this year, yeah, they beat Buffalo early in the year, but they just whitewashed Buffalo in this AFC championship game. And remember, they spotted Buffalo a touchdown with that muffed punt. And I know it's Tom Brady, and I know it would be a great story. I just don't see it happening. I think Kansas City is in a different class. I think they're getting better at just the right time. They've had major issues on defense this year. I think they can do enough to not necessarily stop all of the weapons from Tampa. I don't think that's realistic, but I think they can slow them down. And I think Spagnola will mix it up to the point where he gives Tom Brady enough different looks where he keeps him moving his feet. When Tom Brady's got to move his feet, Tom Brady's not very good. And I'm going to take the Chiefs here. Let's call it Kansas City 34, Tampa 23.
I believe that would put us on the over, although that number is kind of floating around. But the team I really like, is the, the, the play I really like, excuse me, is Kansas City minus the three. You want to go Kansas City team total over 30, I don't think that's the worst idea in the world. The weather's supposed to be halfway decent there. The only reason I would shy away from that is that it wouldn't shock me if Tampa tried to get Fournette and Jones involved a little bit and try to try to slow the game down just a little and keep the game keep the, the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. Uh, you might get a little bit of a running clock early in this game. So if you like the over or a team total over, I might wait till like late in the first quarter because you might get a better number that way. It is not out of the question that I throw a prop or two in there, but that is really not my style. I doubt that I'm going to. If I do, it'll be up on Twitter. And again, follow me on Twitter at BC, a.k.a. The Man. Follow the show at Air Attack Radio. But if I do something like that, it'll be up probably, I don't know, Saturday night, Sunday morning, something like that. But for now, the Chiefs, minus three in the Super Bowl. Good luck with that. Good luck whatever you take. Unless, of course, you're betting against me, then I can't really wish you good luck, can I? Enjoy the Super Bowl. A little bit different this year. It will not be like this forever. But for now, that is all the time we got this week on The Air Attack. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you check out Facebook.com slash The Air Attack. Also, follow me on Twitter and SoundCloud at BC, a.k.a. The Man. Follow the show on Twitter at Air Attack Radio. And remember, The Air Attack with BC, The Man can be heard on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and the Anchor app. Subscribe and share today. Close it out tonight with my man from Miami, the same guy that opens every air attack. Here's Lace, checkmate. I am BC the man. I will see you guys next time on the air attack.
Thought I told you I need that money, I need that dough. I got some, but I want some more. I sacrificed my life for this, so I need an icy wrist. I need the big whips that come with the business. Y'all know the business, and y'all know what is this. I'm dropping that hot shit to show y'all I got this. A lot of y'all be grinding, but not many like this. That's why y'all like this. That's why y'all feel me. Most people will love me. Maybe someone kill me. Either way, this the real me. Situations change, but I'ma still be Yes, I don't pay my dues, I don't put in my time Now the game is mine Checkmate, come on, checkmate, come on Checkmate, come on, checkmate, yeah I am playing games, homie, now the game is over I am playing games, homie, now the game is over Cause it's checkmate, come on, checkmate, come on Checkmate, come on, checkmate, On that grind, yeah. This the new me, baby. Through the fire, the world wide. I'm laced.